Welcome to All Things Being Cyber, a podcast where we aim to inform and entertain. We'll connect with vendors, security engineers, and most importantly, the ones fighting the good fight every day. Yeah, you know who you are. So grab yourself a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of All Things Being Cyber. We are back. We are back after a little bit of a hiatus. Kind of, sort of. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot going on in the world right now, so we figured now would be a great time to kind of just get back into it a little bit. Um, I know it's not, I guess it's still technically the beginning of the year. We'll just run with it's it a bit. It's still Q1. It's still Q1, so <laughs> we're back and we're excited to be here. We're in person today, yep. which is very nice. A little weird, but a good weird. And um, yeah, we're excited. Good. Excited to talk about cyber. And uh, I think today's episode, we're going to be doing kind of just a, a big cyber overview of Jared's what's going on mask, overseas. By the way, I just wanted you to know that. That's, that's why it's not muffled. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't trust. Because I don't trust you guys. Nah, it's because you're a pillow biter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, some things don't change. Some things don't change. Well, that's it. Yeah. We wanted to bring a little of that to you, uh, you know, for our first one back in the new year. So, yeah. uh, so, so as usual, we have we have Paul Manikas, we have Peter G. Newis, and myself, Gerard DeFreitas. That's actually Jim. They're, they look similar. <laughs> Sorry. Man. Oh my God. Less Sorry. tattoos. You, you can't even Sorry. see less tattoos. And facial hair, and, and facial head hair, hair. And, <laughs> and, and all the other trimming. I apologize. I, apologize. I was working with Peter quite a bit yesterday, so I'm just, you know, I'm or all, I'm all petered out. thoughts this morning. And... Why, man? Why? <laughs> all right. So today we are going to be talking about what's going on overseas uh, with the Russia-Ukraine conflict, as uh, there's definitely going to be some big And not because our focus has moved away from cybersecurity. No. Uh, I think Gerard and I were talking about this this morning while you were getting in here after your nasty fall. That uh, hurt. <laughs> it hurt today. If we have a visual for you guys, we're going to try to post it somewhere, but I think the world needs to see this Yeah, one. we might post the video. It, it hurts at the beginning and you feel bad until you realize he's okay. And then it's funny. And, and then, then it's, it's funny. It's all tears after that. Um, but the, the reason why we kind of bring it up, not because we are going in uh, discussing the uh, for and against this type of war, of course, it's, uh, it's unfortunate what's going on right now for the Ukrainian people, but where cybersecurity has kind of come almost front and center, really. Um, back in the day when we talk about traditional wars, we, we, we talk about the missiles and the tanks and the guns and whatnot and how at the start of all this, even before the invasion started, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but before this invasion even started, it was all about, get ready, cyber war is about to, to sort of launch, right? So it wasn't just for Ukraine, it was bordering countries, it was Australia, it was, you know, Western countries. It's been going on for a long time, right? Even if you look at not, 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 not Petya, 2017, that was an attack from Russia on the Ukraine, right? So it's been going on for a while, and it's just now come to the forefront of, it's another component in this war against. Yeah, it's a big component, right? Like, we're going to shut you down. How? Well, we're not going to kill all your tanks and blow those things up and, and, um, and, and take away that equipment. We're, we are going after, you know, infrastructure, like IT infrastructure, and we're going to shut you down that way first. And then if you do that, we're going to just continue to do more and more and, and shut it down that way. So I don't know. It's, uh, I think it's just, and, and even if it has been years, who would have thought, like, you know, uh, where, where this has kind of become a focus and how to cripple a country or an attack or, or whatnot. It's just, it's beyond... You know, you would talk about biowarfare, and then you're talking about cyber war, and it's 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 just how much things have changed, and and actually a, a hell of a lot more scary than I think it was 
decades and then you know uh yeah i don't know i I just it leaves me without words sometimes just to think how much things have changed the fact that it's not just a russia ukraine problem Uh, obviously if if something happens and russia decides to to go on the attack with cyber warfare it's going to spill over like it's going to it's going to affect other countries as well that's right you know not to say that a world or sorry a a traditional war won't do that as well but this is going to be far widespread fast yeah i think that's why there's a lot of hesitation and concern on the rest of the world because they saw the repercussions of not pet yet and how it just spilled out everywhere else and not just the intended target and uh, if anything like that were to happen again if you use spill out again i am going to refer to your fall this morning because that's the only thing i get when you talk about spill (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry anyways carry on uh, no, yeah, that's it. Um, well, you know, the funny thing about that is it brings out the ring devices, right? Which is an, yeah, which an, an, an OT device. I'm, I'm sure they're looking at this thing in Russia as well and laughing their laughing their ass off overseas. Yeah, good. I'm, I'm here to entertain. <laughs> the one time your ring camera catches something, it's not somebody lurking on your driveway no, and checking yeah. your cor- car doors if they're unlocked. It's you taking a spill, landing on your rear end. Opening up your laptop bag to make sure that didn't crack. Hey, it's important. But ignoring the uh, the shock that went right up your right spine up into spine. the back of your head. <laughs> it's just so that my wife can watch it later as many times as she wants and laugh. Oh my God, you have Ring Central staff looking at, <laughs> not Ring Central, Ring video staff looking at that and going, oh, it's already Look online. At this you know idiot. That. Yeah. It's online. Yeah, it's on YouTube. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. So back to the top. Back to the top. <laughs> right back in. <laughs> do you think? Do you think we're slightly sort of off? Kind of what? What were we were so doing? So speaking of IT and OT and all that stuff, <laughs> all the good stuff, we have a guest today. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about that now? Yeah, yeah, we can throw Jerry. Uh, he's he's coming on shortly, but we're we're going to chat a little bit more before he comes in. But yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Oh, okay, cool. We have uh, Jerry Poon. Are we allowed to say where he's from? Okay, cool. Jerry Boone from Nozumi Networks will be joining us today. They specialize in operational technology security, and uh, we think his insight is going to be pretty important as we look to talk about securing critical infrastructure, especially with this war going on. There's been a number of articles that have come out. Um, I think, you know, Britain, Australia, their, their media is producing information in and around. This thing is going to, again, maybe spill over into other countries and their countries need to be prepared and need to do what, you know, businesses need to do what they need to do in order to protect themselves. There's, there's a lot of conversation going on around that. And, you know, that's just two countries that are relatively close, but I think everybody needs to be, have that mindset of what do we do? What do we do to protect our companies and our businesses and ourselves and our, and our personal data? Because this thing just got a lot more interesting. This is quick, right? Like any type of these actions happen instantly, right? This is nothing that takes a lot of time. Um, it's it's probably, I, I'm guessing it's a stroke of a few keys and away you go. So companies are on the defensive now saying, all right, what do we need to do? Anybody's a possible target. And with all the threats being made and any, any assistance given here in, in, in this sort of conflict, you are considered, uh, I, I guess, a, tar- a, target. a target, right? So organizations are trying to be proactive as opposed to saying, you know what, why, why us? Like, well, we don't have any involvement here, but that doesn't matter at this point. Now it's like, just because. Well, if, you're, if your country is, you know, if you're, you're part of the, the, the NATO alliance and your country is involved in this in some fashion, you are a target. Your business is a target because... And as broad as any Western countries, yeah, right? So yeah. as long as you fit in that geographical, so to speak, uh, yep. you are a potential target. So yeah, there, there, there's been a lot of talk that Russia hasn't yet unleashed what they have available to them from a cybersecurity uh, cyber I'd imagine it could be a lot uglier than it is oh, right now. Oh, for sure. I, it's been pretty 
I don't want to use the word tame, but like the techniques they've been using so far have been pretty tame. Like it's been a bunch of denial to service attacks and kind of along those lines where they can isolate it as much as possible. But yeah, I mean, they could definitely ramp it up at a moment's notice. And, and that's the worry, right? Everybody's thinking it's been very, as you said, tame for, for a little while. It's like, when is it coming? When, when are they actually going to unleash what they have? Or there's also the other side of it. Do they really have all this stuff that everybody thinks they well, have? Well, I don't doubt that. I mean, they're not going after any zero days or anything like that. So they, I don't doubt the capability. I just think that they're being strategic. In I think terms focuses of- on something else right now because there's another goal in mind, um, whether it makes sense to any of us or not. I, I think the, the, the goal is somewhat different. And I think this is sort of, you know, the ace in your back pocket. And if things kind of escalate and, they, and we get participation from countries who should not even be here, we are going to continue with these type of attacks. I, I don't know. I just I think the, uh, the focus right now is on something else, um, as insane as it may all sound. Uh, I, I, I don't think the there is any need right now to kind of press that panic button and make everybody pay from a cyber perspective, right? Um, they're, they're, they're on a different mission right now. Yeah. So it's kind of retaliatory, right? So like you attack me and you shut down our media, our TV stations, ATMs, our banks, and any, any money that we need to fund this. Um, all right, well, we're going to throw something back at you and we do this to let you know that we're doing something similar and that we're here. But we have another goal in mind right now with the actual countries being involved in the invasion and... And uh, we'll, we'll kind of hold out for extreme cases if need be. So I guess what, what's going to happen if, well, not if, right now, you know, Ukraine has assembled this IT army of, of people all across the world that are, are helping them attack Russia from a cyber perspective. They're eventually going to be like, all right, well, if everybody's against us, we're going to go after everybody. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Another cool perspective, too, is just the information kind of warfare itself, not just from a cyber perspective, but how they're controlling the flow of information Mm -hmm. in the media and on both sides. I mean, both sides are doing a pretty interesting job of trying to control the narrative as best they can. And it's hard sometimes to decipher what's real and what's not. I know there's been a bunch of like clips that came out online and then got turned around and said, okay, that's not real, but it was for a positive message. So it's kind of interesting to to see how that affects things. How misinformation is being used. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) What? No. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I was speaking with one of our partners and they were, they were telling me that a lot, they focus in the healthcare industry and they were saying that a number of medical, Canadian medical institutions are, or associations are sending out warnings to all their clinics and hospitals and doctors and so on saying, Hey, be prepared. What are you guys doing to be prepared to make sure that you're doing things to secure your environments? And you know, they're, this, this IT companies are getting a lot of emails saying, well, what do we do? What do we do? Well, this is why going back to like how we started earlier on and, and, and saying how this is just something that who would have seen? There is an actual war going on in another country, conflict going on in another country, and the rest of the world is on high alert because of the cyber war that could be just thrown on them and they have to at, engage at any in, time, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. It is so, definitely interesting. Yeah, so that's a little bit of a discussion we can have a little later on, and uh, I think it's the same key points that are going to come out of it, and how to build a, a more resilient company and, and kind of prepare for these type of things, or at least reduce your attack surface. Um, I think we hit on that uh, quite a bit when we are on this podcast. We will certainly bring that up in, uh, bring that up in discussion uh, a little later. Uh, are we going on a quick musical break so we can hear the uh, last thing you recorded of yourself singing? In the shower? <laughs> in the shower. That was from this morning. Is that before, after, Uh, while you're thinking about Pete? (laughs) You can't say anything because, you know, we're just going to make fun of you falling down. (laughs) 
All right. Well, we will be back shortly. We're going to uh, take a quick break. And when we get back, uh, we'll have Jerry Poon with us. Welcome back after that brief break. And as promised, we have our uh, special guest, a man I truly respect. And the opinions and the information that uh, he will provide today, I think, will become of of, uh, some value to uh, people listening. He has spent a lot of time in this industry, and I'll let him kind of go into his background a bit and give us that. And then we can get into Nozomi Networks and what they do and why uh, we are discussing them today. Jerry Poon, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Jim. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, thanks for making some time for us. No, absolutely. Yeah, anytime you guys uh, have any time of an opportunity to jump on a podcast or meet with you guys, you know, goes I'm down. Uh, you guys are, you know, well known in the industry, especially in the local area, and uh, I love working with Source 44 and the team here. So, um, and it's also a great opportunity for me to kind of share some agnostic and PSA information of, you know, why we need OT security during this uh, hard time with with all the uh, um, global changes and concerns and. Bad things happening in the world, right? Beautiful. You took away like my next segment. Uh, that, that was well done. So why don't we do that, Jerry? Give, give a little background to you because you, you've spent way more time than all of us here in IT security. Uh, your recent move, obviously, to Nozomi and uh, why we hear more about Nozomi uh, over the last little while. So I'll, I'll leave that to you just because you're way better spoken than I am. Oh, thank you, man. No, I can appreciate it. You're too kind. So I've been in the industry, you know, a bit over 12, 13 years. I started on as a hands-on kind of network security guy, but grew up in the space where kind of cybersecurity, like now for OT security, you know, we're raising awareness in it, right? So I've been lucky and fortunate where cybersecurity wasn't a hot item growing up in the space, but then it became an actual solid field. And organizations, governments uh, um, are, are really trying to pay more attention to what cybersecurity entails and how it could change our world, right? Um, And of course, that's why I kind of made the change to OT security and ICS security for the same reason. OT, ICS security, or IOT security, or MIOT security, however you want to see it, is uh, a new space where organizations and governments need to actually spend more time um, and and care into building out that practice. And I think by starting with day-to-day people like us to be able to share that information will really get uh, the awareness going. So, you know, we, we can move a bit quicker in that space. That's great. So Jerry, just you know, help those that don't understand what OT is. And, you know, when I think OT, I think of the, those, our devices in our homes, like a ring doorbell. Um, right. That's IOT. <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, I slipped. <laughs> what you but that's, that's what I think of is those, those kind of devices that we have in our homes that are not as intelligent, but I know that's right. not accurate. So maybe tell everybody really what, what it, OT is about. No, absolutely. I think IOT is a great way to explain OT as well. And I'll kind of circle back to that as soon as I can. But, but OT essentially stands for operational technology. Operational technology really means things that require some type of manual operation for it to work. So whether it is a programmable uh, logic, uh, a PLC, programmable logic controller, that you know sends commands for machinery to do binary on and offs, or, or pressure meters, or things like water meters that we might see within our um, you know our houses, you know the idea to be able to have some type of technology that operates machinery uh, or, or some type of assembly line, wind turbines, 
even like robotic inventory robots we might see in like these uh, Amazon warehouses and whatnot, right? All considered operational technology. The major difference, again, from OT and IT, informational security and operational security is, you know, the tools could be very similar, but the type of security we want to apply and the type of considerations from the two space differs quite a bit, right? Um, but equally, both sides are, are required. It versus IT, as an example, information secu- security, we're really focusing on the idea of, of data loss, data loss prevention, you know, malware propagating uh, system uptime, equally important, right? But in OT, one of the prime considerations, because OT would be operating things like water treatment plants, again, energy, gas, oil pipeline, and whatnot, would be safety first, right? And in a lot of cases, again, OT security being quite important, I think, during this time for those reasons, right? You know, OT operates how um, our day-to-day lives, right? Talking about our energy or water, even like gas stations, right? Again, to be able to get to and from work, all these are, are uh, um, ran with underlying OT technology in these environments. Yeah, that's exactly it. Really trying to make sure that we can minimize any impact to any kinetic ramifications. Yeah, and, and Jim, Jim brought up earlier, you know, the, the attacks on the Colonial Pipeline and uh, the water treatment plants. Those are specifically the threats that we need to think about, especially with what's going on in the world. Yeah, those are the realistic uh, threats that have actually occurred. And just to kind of give some people an idea exactly tie into sort of real life what Jerry's been trying to explain now. So, Jerry, let me let me ask you something uh, without, you know, again, tying in any relevant data or any off the top of your head, uh, because we've obviously talked about the... the uh, how much the you know ransomware attacks on IT security over the last couple of years, and there's percentages there, there's multipliers out there with how much of an increase there has been. What would you say, and in what you do, and what you've seen right now, and you know working with organizations, how much has this grown like exponentially? Like how are we doing? How, well, what's the increase like in in OT? Uh, you know, sort of attacks. It's been exponential, um, and I think um, the media awareness is is kind of helping expose a lot of this as well. Just as simple as talking about the first half of 2021 to the second half of 2021, we saw about a 21% increase in vulnerabilities that was detected in this space. So 21% is pretty huge when we're talking about critical infrastructure. Again, those, those set areas that we mentioned that run how we you know, operate, how we run day-to-day life. It, it, and I'd imagine, sorry, yeah. Jerry. And I'd imagine as as time goes on, um, and and the attention, the focus being here, and and again, pipelines and water treatment plants and whatnot, uh, I'd I'd imagine that's probably going to jump even more over the next couple of years. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I would say, um, you know, we, we should see an increase with that, you know, quite significantly over the days and weeks, you know, with all the uh, recent geopolitical global issues that we're experiencing. Right. I mean, just as early as yesterday. Um, I I came through an article where, um, you know, a satellite got breached, but as a result of that internet outage, um, there was about 5,800 wind turbines in Germany that got taken down as a result of that internet outage. Are you noticing that, or is it still a little too early for some organizations who are probably still working on other things in the OT space and the connections that you've made and the organizations that you work with, are you finding a lot of proactive uh, scenarios happening here? Is it reactive? Is it a combination of both? Like, where, 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 do, where do organizations sit in this space right now? What are you seeing? Are you coming in to kind of put out fires or you're like, hey, we can help you with that before something actually happens? Absolutely. That's a great question. And um, 
I think right now we're at a point where you know most organizations are trying to get into the prevention prevention stage, but there's still a, a good percentage that are more reaction and, and a smaller percentage, thankfully, where there's a smaller uh, percentage where people just don't care, right? Organizations just don't care or they don't see it as a priority. But luckily, the most of the interactions we've had is more of the proactive preventative clients. But what's interesting is it, it kind of goes towards um, some of the other podcasts I know you guys have done in the past, especially regarding ransomware with Jeff on the last episode, I want to say, is that, you know... You actually listened. Oh, thanks, all day, thanks. guys. I told you, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. So um, I think the fundamental problem is is that now we're finally getting the attention because of these ge- geopolitical issues that are happening. But the base underlying asset discovery, knowing what's out there, is invisible by a lot of organizations. So, you know, you, you might have the most critical infrastructures with the most mature IT cybersecurity program and posture. But in the OT space, it's, it's very juvenile where I'm working with a lot of organizations just to get the base um, asset inventory and, and just to be able to understand how their uh, how their systems work. Right. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, you know what I think? I, I, I mean, just in listening to all that, uh, very similar patterns. Right. Like with IT security, I think for years it was sort of like that, too, where people thought they were OK and then they kind of let it go and then became very reactive. Right. Yeah. Only, you know, something happened. Can we investigate? And now we need to put things in place. And I find that over the years, people have become organizations have become more proactive. Not to say that there isn't any reactive ones out there, uh, because sometimes it is the case. But I think that percentage is growing smaller. Mm-hmm. It's decreasing in size versus a proactive, I think, is probably the majority of the people now are. And then I think with the OT space, I think we're going to see that pattern as well by the sounds of it is that, you know what, as much as there are reactive organizations now, I believe that number because of the attention and the focus being brought on with what's going on in the world uh, and has been going on. uh, I think that percentage, I think it'll follow that same pattern, right? Where people are just saying, hey, this is just as important as IT security. Remember those conversations we were having years ago and we need to be proactive and make sure we're not in the news for that same reason. Yeah, Does that make sense? You're seeing a Agreed. lot of it too, like more and more every day. And critical infrastructure aside, manufacturing has just been getting hammered over the last little while from mm-hmm. an OT pers- perspective. You've got the Honda attack. Recently, there was one on Toyota. Toyota was the same, right? Yeah, like it, it, they're just, they're coming more to the forefront. And I think they'll have no choice but to be more proactive yeah, um, because I, what wasn't really looked at as a, a real attack vector or what used to be thought as, oh, we're air-gapped, we're fine, yep. is now coming to light that, well, no, you're not fine. No, totally. And, and I, think, I think that's it. It was the evolution of this is that, you know, I always use the example is, is, is exactly kind of what you said, Jim. Like, the OT security space for many organizations, not all, is like the introduction of the internet or introduction of the first firewall. It was very hesitant. It was, it was kind of a, a, a hard path to implement anything security-related back then because of the uncertainty of what will happen or even like the justification, right? We, That's right. The chances of something happening that could shut us down, right? Right. And, then, and yep. in some cases, it's almost like we don't want to get the visibility. Organizations don't want to get the visibility because it's almost like another thing that they have to invest and deal with. But I think what's liability. That's right. right. <laughs> Once we start digging in, we don't know what we're going to find and what we're going to need to fix it. Exactly, right? It's like looking at your, you know, kid's diary. You know you shouldn't, but sometimes you just see stuff that you may not want to see and you're going to have to you deal can't with it as a parent after. after. <laughs> <laughs> or ignore? No, totally. But with that example and even how we look at OT cybersecurity today, you know, you have to open up the can and take a look before you, you, you continue to operate or, or do what you need to do. 
right? And it's more critical now than ever because using the same example back then in the 90s, the technology moved at a different pace, right? We're talking about pretty advanced technologies now. You know, we're talking about home automation at home using, you know, George's IoT example or the idea where we're connecting devices from the industry kind of 3.0 area that wasn't meant to be on the network. I'm talking about, you know, manufacturing equipment or energy and utility PLCs that weren't initially designed to be on the internet or on the network, but that they're all internet accessible. And if and you look at the chain of the pace, right? Yeah. Like that pace, pace is picked up. Yeah. As soon as that introduction came with a few products and a few pieces of machinery, that pace is like, you know, the technology is getting smarter and everybody's got better ideas and improve and add on. And that pace is, is, is just, it's, it's increasing. It's accelerating, right? Yep. So it's, it's, it's as fast as we could secure the IT space. It's as fast as how the OT space could connect to it. And in turn, the bad guys can breach the immature OT space, regardless of how strong your IT infrastructure is. Right. That's just the reality of it. And I think we're, we're coming to a crossroads where just like IT security, technologies that work in IT won't necessarily work in OT. In IT, we had purpose-built tools for specific things. A firewall isn't the answer to everything. We have the defense and layer concept, right? The defense and depth. That's right. Yeah, there'll be something else that's going to solve these type of problems, right? It's not going to, it's not going to tie in, and and, and it won't solve for uh, for both sides, right? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it, what's scary about what's happening today? It's not so much it's a scare tactic. We're not just reading stats to say, you know, you need to do this because there's a high probability of you being breached, which is true. But you know, to Paul's point, and to to Gerard and yourself, Jim, too, there's geopolitical issues happening right now. And whatever we could see that has been expedited from remote worker initiatives to remote access to devices during the COVID time, all the attack surfaces, um, attack surfaces has actually been opened up, including the idea of introduction of IIoT, you know, industrial IoT devices into manufacturers and, and certain um, critical infrastructure where, again, now we're opening up our attack surface for bad guys to potentially come breach our critical infrastructure and operational technology space. Right. So the expedition of this awareness, implementation of security and visibility, absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. Yeah, that's really great, Jerry. Uh, that's that's a lot of information and we, we really appreciate you, you know, yeah, your insight on that. But what, a, you know, just really quickly, I would love to hear a little bit about how is Nozomi, how is Nozomi Networks helping this this fight? Oh, for sure. So, so Nozomi Networks is a purpose built sensor that's flexible and consumable in all form factors, physical, virtual, containerized or ruggedized hardware. That's meant for the OT and the IIoT and ICS space. Because we're purpose-built for that space, we don't um, actually incur additional lag or bandwidth requirements, and we're just passively looking at information and listening to information to detect bad guys in the environment. You know, as a part of a best practice and recommendation for what's going on to start securing the OT space, it's always, you know, discovery, inventory, understanding what you have, understanding network asset inventory, uh, network and asset inventory segmenting your environment and reducing the attack surface like you would with IT. But in OT, again, we just have to be sensitive to that equipment. So where Nozomi Networks can help, we would partner with great partners like Source44 to be able to provide you know, um, asset discoveries and network discoveries to be able to insert us in the most critical spaces without disrupting, dis- disrupting your operational technology. The number one item on the CIS-20, asset discovery, asset inventory. All right, that's great. 
Yeah, thank Jerry. Thank you very much. That was a, a heck of a lot of information, but uh, and tying it to real world, what has happened, what could happen, and uh, again, um, speaking to your work with organizations, and 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 lastly, obviously, how Nozomi Networks can can play in that space and uh, and do the work for organizations. Anything else, Paul? Uh, before we let our wonderful guest go, and I'm sure he's got a busy uh, busier schedule than we do today, because we're we're gonna head to lunch soon, and we're gonna probably do that for about four hours. Um, so. <laughs> I can't speak to your schedule, Jerry, but uh, being the rock star that you are, I'm sure you're way busier. <laughs> no, thanks, guys. It was, it was great great being here, and thanks for having us. Hopefully, uh, we could jump in soon and provide other updates as we get this. Awesome. We, will, thanks, we would Jerry. love to have you back and maybe have this discussion uh, as time goes on. It'd be interesting to see uh, what you guys are, are doing and who you're doing it for and, and all that fun stuff, because as, as time goes on, like I said, I think it's just going to change, and more organizations are going to, that light bulb's going to turn on and say, yeah, we need to do something uh, sooner rather than later. Absolutely. You guys have awesome. a great thanks, one. Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Cheers. Oh, it's commercial time. Jared's making me do commercials again because he knows how much I hate commercials. And you know why? I don't even know why I hate commercials. Source 44 Security. You know what we do. www.source44.net. Oh, did you want me to do the segment coming back in? Sure. All right. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, like we're in communication. Well, I, just, I thought you were still on your phone, Paul. Uh, uh, yeah. Got to take a call. Got to take a call. You got to do what you got to do. Um, so, th- yeah, so this is our last little segment. Thank you for coming back to listen to this last little bit here. And uh, again, Jerry Poon, thank you very much uh, for, for joining us today. Always, always a well-spoken individual. So I, I enjoy having conversations with Jerry. Uh, always a lot to learn from a guy who's kind of been doing this for a very long time. Yeah, so we were going to kind of jump into another article that we were going on. And this is really touches back to things that we've talked about in the past, but Building a resilient network or environment uh, in and around cybersecurity. Yeah, kind of, kind of common themes around that, right? Yeah, I think a lot yeah. of it just comes back and the, the majority of them will sort of repeat themselves, right? Yeah, and it's nothing new. It's nothing we haven't spoken of before, but it's, it's a good reminder that, you know, starting off the year again, it's like, hey, these are some things that you should be thinking about. So you want to go through your list? My list? Yeah, Jim's, Jim's list. list. Version it's, two. it's not my list. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my list is uh, something of actually, I know a lot of you don't believe it, but I actually do a little bit of reading. But, uh, so again, th- this stuff is here is kind of almost on repeat, but again, helping uh, organizations sort of strengthen their, their, their sort of c- cybersecurity posture and building a more resilient organization. So one of the first ones, again, is, is, is following some sort of best practices, right? Comparing uh, your, your current security program to a, a benchmark of, of sorts and the most common ones. CIS 20 or NIST. Beautiful. See, that's, uh, we, we, we have discussed that before. Uh, another one is uh, using governance as part of your cybersecurity strategy. So I, I think at, at this point, what they're, what they're saying is they found companies that regularly report on their cybersecurity practices to the board of directors score better on internal benchmarking metrics compared to those that don't. Yeah, they have, they have to hold themselves accountable to somebody, mm-hmm. and so they're, they take it a little bit more seriously, right? Yeah, so that's helped a lot of organizations. Uh, Either that or they just get really good at hiding it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a clean report. (laughs) Never mind these hundreds of vulnerabilities we have hiding over here. (laughs) We know that to be the case in some organizations because we've heard those stories as well. You are correct. (laughs) No, 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 no. no, We didn't mention anybody. No names. No, no, no names. I can delete that. (laughs) You put that little beep there? Just put the beep there. All right, all right. The other one is know your footprint. So I think at the end this of the day, one, very important. Yeah, yeah. Your assets. Harp, we can't harp on this one enough. 
just because if you don't know what you've got, you don't know how to protect it. Now everything is interconnected and everything now counts as an asset, whether the company owns it or not. And you should at least have visibility as to what is on your network. You need to or know at what's least on your network. To. Especially, you know, again, manufacturing, healthcare, all these industries that have all these devices that you're not really paying that much attention to. These are all areas that can be breached. That was well said, Gerard. Thank you. I like that. Thank you. Identifying a lineup of outside experts. So from the technical side and legal side, having experts outside your organization who can determine the response process before an incident happens. Yeah, so, so having, just basically work with Source 44. <laughs> Don't know how that, but sure, yes, yes, yes. No, shameless plug, but no, gauge where, where your capabilities are, uh, where they lie, and, and just whatever you're good at, keep doing, and whatever you need help with, don't be afraid to ask for help. Well, and you have to have the legal side sort of all lined up. Like these things do happen and legal teams get involved immediately, right? And then your technical experts to kind of help there too. Like if something does happen, how quickly can we get this taken care of and and be back online and then kind of doing business again, right? Yeah, so that's incident response is a a huge aspect that people don't think about until it's too late. IR, is that that a new term or? (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Well, yeah, I like that. So, and benchmark your spend. So I think at the end of the day, what this kind of alludes to is it's sort of knowing where your strengths are. You were talking about that on the last point, but who do we outsource and then where's our spend and, and outsource this and have this sort of lined up and experts taking care of that? And what can we use and, and the money that we need to spend internally to kind of help better things and, and things that we can take care of, right? So is the sort of outsourcing and then having things done uh, in-house, so to speak. Yep, sounds good. Fantastic. Uh, so that is not Jim's list, somebody's list, but I, I thought there were five five things to kind of reiterate because uh, I think we've spoken over many times, like we said. So I think that kind of wraps up our little uh, segment on uh, war and cyber war and OT. Time for lunch. It's, it's, it's time for Guinness. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think we're supposed to eat too, but we're, we're going to start. If Guinness wants to sponsor us, uh, we'd be more than happy. Yeah, we would not say no. (laughs) All day. Never mind technology vendors. (laughs) I got one word. Delicious. (laughs) I'm done trying to hit security vendors for any kind of plugs or any sort of sponsorship. Guinness, I'm your guy. Or most vodka companies, too. But I, I'm sorry, I can't speak to Russian ones because those are all off the line, off the off the uh, the shelf. So, plenty of other ones that I do enjoy. We can talk about it. Call me. All right, that wraps up our show for today. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed our, our episode. Uh, we will be back on a more regular basis. Our, we're working the next. Yeah, the one. hiatus is done. The hiatus is over. The, we've been lazy for the last couple months, but we are we've lined up our, our next few episodes. So stay tuned. And once again, if you have any uh, insight or want to get back to us, please email us at podcast at source forty four dot net. <laughs>